Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I am one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing, Jay? Great, Michael. Um, I want to jump in right away because I think we, we are going to suck up every minute of available time this week talking to our special guest. We are joined by Bobby Borg, and I'm going to pull a little background information right from Bobby's website here. Um, Bobby is a former major label, independent, and DIY recording artist with over 25 years' experience, graduate of Berklee College of Music with a BA in professional music, and UCLA Extension with a certificate in marketing management and project management. He serves as a music business educator at Musicians Institute in Hollywood and at the University of Los Angeles in California, and he also arranges educational programs with institutions overseas. As a music business and A&R consultant to managers, labels, and supervisors, Bobby is also a prominent guest speaker at music industry events and a regular contributor to international music business publications. He's also an author, and I see it over your right shoulder, but he's an author of a couple books here. We've got Business Basics for Musicians, and we've got Music Marketing for the DIY Musician as well. And and let, let me just say, you guys need to check these books out. I mean, the depth of information here is is phenomenal. But the most impressive thing to me because I was digging a little deeper here. It's not that you were, and this don't don't take this in the wrong way. It's not that you are a member of Warrant. It's you were a member of Beggars and Thieves. <laughs> and seriously, the debut album by Beggars and Thieves for me is one of the most underrated, undiscovered Absolutely. albums out there. The song No More Broken Dreams, I it's that song is in my playlist all the time because I think that song is just freaking amazing. So get that album up on Spotify, will you? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I know you have no control over that, but 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 yeah, you know I can't beggar that 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 debut album on Atlantic Records. Can't find it anywhere. I mean, if you can find it, you're paying a fortune to get that CD. Yeah, they really should uh, put that up there. I might look into that actually. Now that now that you I know should. that, uh, you, yeah. you 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 definitely should. That again, that debut album by Beggars and Thieves. What year did that come out? Let's see. I believe it was 1991. So actually. so you you were you were unfortunate in that it came out in the 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 death throes of hard rock, and you were probably getting thrown under the bus by Atlantic Records and everybody at the time as. Don't pay attention to these guys anymore because you're not Nirvana. Yeah, well, you know, actually, I, th- that type of music started to come out. I think Alice in Chains w- w- was was coming out, and you know, Nirvana was coming out, um, and I love that music. Um, but I think you know, all, it, it's deeper also as well. I mean, at the time that a record was about to be released, our A and R guy left Atlantic and had an opportunity in England to start his own label. So you know how that works. It's oh like, yeah, that's uh, that's like that's like code, almost you know, instant death to your project, isn't it? Yeah, the, you know the the, the you know, the coach of the team you know, leaving just as 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 the release is happening. It's not a good thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was a, it was a number of factors, but certainly, you know, what I think a lot of people don't understand is 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 just because you enter into an agreement or a relationship with another party doesn't automatically mean that you know your ship has arrived. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's you know not not <laughs> in the music so not in fa- not in the music industry, right? 
That's right. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that it's, it's, you know, right. it, it, there's so many things that need to come together in order for, um, magic to happen, so to speak. Well, you know, so, it doesn't so always happen that way. Let, let's use that as a little segue into your, this, the, the first book here, business basics for musicians. Um, and being that, the the primary audience we try and target with the podcast is definitely a lot of DIY artists, although we know for a fact we have a lot of industry people who listen as well. But what would you say is the best piece of business advice that you could give a DIY artist who's getting into this as a full-time career? I mean, we're, we're, we're going to assume they're committed to doing this as a full-time career, that that they've got great music. I, I, you know, let's not debate that because in my opinion, you know, I'm assuming you've already got the best music you could possibly create recorded the best way you could possibly do it. All that taken off the table. What's the best piece of business advice? Well, I think there's a number of things, but certainly, you know, number one would be, you know, don't wait around for somebody else to decide what your future is going to look like. You know, control your own destiny by taking charge of your career. So assuming that they already are doing that and they're DIY artists, the next thing would be stay in it long enough for something to happen. So usually what I find is that people are like, okay, Bobby, I'm doing it myself. You know, I've got the songs, I've got the website, you know, we're doing social media, you know, we're going out on the road. And, um, you know, and, and they then at that point really still expect that everything is just going to fall into place. It takes time, you know. I mean, from the time that I've been in it and from, you know, looking back on some of my friends, you know, that I went to Berkeley with, you know, it took many, many years for them for things to actually start happening. And if they left the game, these wonderful things that are happening for them now in their career would not be happening. So tenacity, you've got to stick with it. And you've got to you love it. You know, as well. Yeah. Well, you mentioned something really important there. I think that artists have to own their own career and not rely on someone else to drive it, even whether they're signed or whether they're not signed, whether they have a management company behind them or whether they don't. What are some things that you think an artist can do to kind of own their own career, whether they're signed or not? Well, I think, you know, I mean, is to, is to operate like, I, I, you know, if we're talking about DIY musicians and specifically, it would be to act like your own record company. So, I mean, whatever a record company does, whatever a manager does, you know, do it for yourself. So, you know, obviously, first you have to, as Michael was saying, you have to have great songs first and foremost, and you have to put the work in to make sure that you really do have great songs too. It's not your opinion of whether or not your songs right. are great. You know, it's but not, it's it's not your opinion. mom's opinion, and it's not your <laughs> girlfriend's opinion. Because <laughs> you know what they're going to tell you, right? Exactly. Right. 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 So you need to do some research, and you need to be open-minded enough that when you're not getting the type of feedback. And of course, you have to be you have to be able to be really smart about doing the right research because a lot of times people don't know what they like or don't know what they need, and you might be onto something new. And you certainly want to be wouldn't want to be discouraged by people that you know just uh, you know are unclear about what it is that they want as well. So you have to do smart research. You have to listen to what people say. Go back into the drawing board sometimes and really get your message clear about what it is that you stand for. 
And that takes a good um, amount of time, of course. Then you have to figure out, of course, how to put together, you know, your own team. I mean, a team doesn't necessarily have to be your personal manager and your agent and your business manager, et cetera. A team could be, you know, your your own your own band. I mean, each member can be a different department. Each member can take on a different responsibility. And from there, each member can even control, you know, street teams and and, and other folks that would be interested in getting behind the band and create like this, this little army so to speak I, and of yeah. course you know to form alliances with other bands I, as well i think know? i think it's important to stress that diy um on its own scares a lot of musicians when i talk to them they're like i can't do this all myself i don't have enough time in the day i'm a musician blah 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 diy doesn't literally mean do it all yourself alone um, it certainly does not. No. You know, I, I, I have joked about this many times, but I prefer the term BYOB. You know, <laughs> not, not bring your own bottle, which a lot of musicians might associate with that, but it's be your own boss. Mm-hmm. And therefore, as a boss, your job is to hire the people you need to do the work you want done. That means you don't have to be a marketing expert. I don't expect you to be a marketing expert. But go out and find that marketing expert for the next three months that you need them. And then release them when they're done. They don't have to be a permanent employee paid year-round. You don't need a radio promotion person on staff year-round. You know, you don't need a a, a producer year-round. You just need them when you need them. And a boss's job is to recognize that talent, bring it in, make you look better because they're better at that position than you are. And then when you're done with them, the smart business decision is like, look, I don't need you right now. I'll get back in touch with you in six months. That's right. And of course, when we when we hear or when your listeners hear the word, you know, boss and hire, they automatically assume that the payment is money. Not necessarily, right? There's different ways that you can compensate these people that are going to get in, in, in sort of in bed with you, so to speak. Of course, the industry terminology of getting in bed. Um, and, and what I mean by that is how about, you know, um, barter exchanges, you know? So, you know, I'll play, you know, drums on, on, on your track, Mr. Producer, and maybe you can let my band come in and, and throw down one of our tracks, you know? So there's, there's lots of different ways that you can fund your project as well. And I think that's another thing that scares DIY artists because they think not only is it, you know, do all the work by yourself, but it's do all the financing by yourself as well. So yeah. something you, to you, add. You, you're, yeah. you're right. I mean, you do have to be creative and barter but but I will and I and I hear this all the time as somebody who does you know marketing um, do it for us now and in six months when this album explodes we'll pay you mm-hmm. sure well, well it's, it, it's sort of like well you know let, let's be honest here everybody thinks their album is going to explode in the next six months right. and and I have bills to pay and let me just turn this around to you mr. <laughs> musician Um how many clubs do you play for free? When someone says play this club for free, do you get a little upset because it's like, well, I need to get, I need to be paid. So, be understanding of the fact that do that people do have to survive on the other side, and and not everybody is going to buy into you because you're the greatest artist in the world. 
I see. I see what perspective you're talking about. You're talking about, obviously, for the artist to understand that when they do enter into these different types of relationships with producers and the producer says, hey, you know, I need X amount of money to do this for I've got, you. I've got overhead. I can't, you know, maybe right. I can discount my overhead, but I still have to pay some somebody something. You know, that engineer that's coming in here, he's not doing it because he loves you. Um, you know, turning on the the lights just costs me five hundred dollars to turn the lights on for you um Absolutely. so 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 be respectful and that i guess that's what i'm saying is be respectful and don't be insulted when somebody says i can't do it for free no right. more than you as the artist want to go out and play for free give away right. your music for free right that's right you know so be respectful sure. of that but also keep in mind and and i get this a lot you know they uh, some artists are going to feel like all right, I'm ready for a full-time booking agent or a, I'm ready to get rid of my mom as my manager and get a real manager. Well, and those are legitimate steps, but those people only make money when you make money. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you think about it, you know, of course, you know, what is the incentive of these people wanting to get in, involved with you? Let's go back to your very first example, which would be the producer. You know, hey, Mr. Producer, you know, we would like to get recorded. You know, we're a little bit low on money. Of course, the artist has to be understanding that the producer needs money. You have to turn on the lights. You have to turn on the gear, etc. Sometimes what happens is the producer might be interested in maybe doing some sort of deal. Now, this is where you have to be very, very understanding of the business and know what you're getting involved in. But oftentimes what happens is the producer might say, listen, I normally charge 20000 but you know what? I might be willing to charge ten and share in a bit. Now, this is a dangerous area of the copyright of the sound recording and the copyright of the actual song. Now, if the, if the producer is going to make, you know, those concessions, you know, the artist has to understand, you know, why, because he's not getting his normal fee. Um, and they also have to be very, very clear about what they're giving up, and they have to be very clear of whether or not they want to give that up. So right. that's uh, a you, very, you, very you, important Yeah, don't, don't, I, I think a lot of artists might go, great, that's a $10,000 savings, sir, I'll sign this away. Not understanding that what you are really signing away could right. be a the potential lot more. Value the potential value copy, right. could, could be, be, could be, could be great. That. I mean, if that song gets picked up and explodes, guess yeah. what? You're now not sharing the full revenue on that. You've got to pay a producer. And, and believe me, you might get pissed and realize when it's happening that, what do you mean I got to give it to you? Well, it's in a contract. So, right. But I think there's a lot to be said for people who will do certain things for free. And there are a lot of people within the business, whether it's a manager, producer, photographer, whatever, who may not do a full job but they'll give you advice. You know, nobody wants to give you a job, but everybody wants to give you advice. And I think there's a lot of experts in the field that you can, you know, get some guidance from. Well, li Just, listen, I mean, uh, you know, plug. I mean, you could go out and buy, the, <laughs> buy this book and get a lot of direction and understanding of what to do. Yeah. You could, you could hit, you can listen to our podcast. You can read our blog posts. There's countless people with lots of experience sharing that knowledge on the internet and yeah. at low cost i mean even this low book, or zero cost sometimes yeah. and like yeah. this book you know if i can give you you know um, a bit of credit where credit is due one of the things that i loved about both of these books is that you're big on planning 
and there's a lot of little planning sheets that you give examples of. And I think that's key for a lot of these uh, startup bands or even bands that have been around a while that want to make that next step. You have to have a plan. You have to know what you want. You had mentioned getting signed by a label. A lot of my friends that get signed by a label think, all right, we're done. We made it. Well, no, that's one step, and congratulations if that's the way you want to go, and that's great. But you need to have a plan, and when you sit down with that label, they're your partner in your career. They're managing hundreds of careers. You've only got one, and you want to make sure that you do the best thing for that career. And that's why I think with these books, though – each chapter has a little segment on how you plan for that, and I think that's super important. You know, yes, one, it is very important. One, yep. one, 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 some, touching on something that, that, that Jay was bringing up there, I think there's, there, there has to be an understanding of both sides of the business, meaning the artist versus whether you want to say it's the record label, the booking agent, whoever is on the other side. You're working together for a common goal, but you also have different viewpoints on it, meaning you as the artist see this as your passion, your love. It's you. It's a person. Let's cut to the chase. A record label sees you as a product. You're not a person. You're a product. As they should. And, and yeah, it's a as business. they should. It's a business. Their job is to sell and market this product. If that product doesn't perform... No heart. They have no feelings towards you personally to say, "Done. We're dropping you. We're stopping the promotion." I mean, uh, you've you've probably experienced, Bobby. I mean, as an artist, all of a sudden you're you're flying high, and the next day, the carpet's pulled out from underneath you because somebody determined on the bottom line of a budget sheet that there was no more future for this release or this tour, and we're done. Yeah, and it's no different than like professional sports, right? You are providing a service. And a financial gain is to be made. And, you know, they take a look at their roster of artists and they try to develop those that they think will become profitable. You need to be that artist who's going to develop and sell a product for them to make them money so they can go ahead and promote you. With major labels, I think they get a bad rap a lot of the times. But, you know, I've worked for major labels most of my career, and I can tell you there's a lot of great people that work there. The great thing that a major label can do for you is they swing big. And when they swing big, sometimes they hit big. They can do international for you. They can get you, you know, with their PR departments. They have relationships with all these key shows. They have a lot of things that they can do for you. But just because you get signed, that doesn't mean you get all of that. You had touched on this earlier, Bobby. I mean, you, you've got to have a passion for what you do. You've got to have a great, I hate using the word product, but your your passion, your music to a record company or a management company, you know, that may be a product to them. But if you've got the goods and you believe in what you're writing and you're performing, you know, a label isn't always a bad thing. But I think what these books provide is prior to getting that label deal, and maybe even after, take it, Take a yellow highlighting pen and sit down some afternoon and go through each chapter and read it and highlight different things. Um, it's, it's a great way to prepare yourself. Yes, absolutely. To comment on a couple of the things that you guys said um, very well, um, if you think about it, music is an art and making money from it is a very serious business. And one of the most difficult things I think for artists to understand is that this is the business of music. 
If you want to be a hobbyist and you want to create music purely for the satisfaction of art, and you're more than happy doing that in your in your basement and, you know, having your grandma and your mom pat you on the back and say, this is great. And you could care less about ever sharing it with one other person or making any money from it. Then just go ahead. Create art. And That's be happy. That's 100% you know? fine. That's great. Sure. There's nothing Absolutely. wrong with that. No, no. You know, but if you want to, if you want to sort of, you know, cross that line where now you can actually pay your bills and um, and you can survive with your music, then there's sometimes certain compromises that you have to make hopefully without compromising you know your integrity and you still stay true to your heart but you know this is a this is a business i mean it, it's it's just very very simple music is an art making money from it is a very very serious business now another thing you guys said yeah. get smart get educated going back to 1990 <laughs> you know since we brought right. brought up when i when that record came out there wasn't as much music business education as there is today. Berkeley College of Music didn't even have their, their business department yet. You know, I, the internet didn't even exist yet. So people like you weren't doing podcasts like this. And I think maybe the only business book that was out there was this really, really thick one that Billboard released that was very complicated. And I think Passman right. maybe yeah, had Yeah, the Donald Passman book maybe came out yeah. a year or two after that. Right. Yeah, which, which which are good books, but you know, sort of you know, written by attorneys. More you know? about exactly more about attorneys yeah. about the legal aspect of copyright record deals. What you're covering here is really more the nuts and bolts of every step along the way: marketing, yeah, promotion, social, yeah. all of. Well, and and, and, and yeah. to, today, from a a education standpoint, there are people like you, Bobby, who have been in it been in the trenches, rode the waves up and down, and are coming out the other end saying, I am now going to tell you what it's really like. I mean, let's exactly. be honest, back in the 80s and 90s, the only stories we were getting were, uh, look at all the money, look at all the limos, look at all the private right. jets. You know, no, no, nobody was, no artist, I should say, was willing to sit down and say, well, this is how f effed up it is, because they didn't want to bite the hand that was feeding them. It's a different world, definitely, for sure, that we, we live in today, of course, you know, and um, people, I mean, there's no excuse not to understand this industry. I mean, right now I'm about to teach, I'm sitting in a class that, you know, I'm about to teach a room full of 40 kids that come from all over the world to understand, you know, the music business. You guys have this awesome podcast and you provide people with so much valuable information. There are so many books out there. You know, in my position in the marketplace, essentially, is by a musician for a musician. You know, I look at myself as the guy that played football. I played the major leagues, I played the indie leagues, I did the DIY league, and now I'm the coach of the football team, so to speak. You know, so very simple, straightforward knowledge that people need to know about. Um, you also talked really quick about, you know, um, uh, you know, planning, and, and, and I think that's very, very important, too, simply because you have to know where it is that you want to go in order to draw a roadmap to get there. And, and by mapping out, you know, all the tasks that are required, then you can throw that into a timeline, you can throw it into a budget, and you can really just stay organized and keep focused. So that's extremely important, certainly something I talk about. And then, of course, Michael, you mentioned understanding perspective again, you know, which is so important. You know, it's very, very important for the artist to understand both what makes, you know, the artist side as well as the business side. And now I'm going to throw something else in there as well, which is it's very important for, I think, the business people if they can. Oh, yes. 
yes. understand what it is like to be an artist. And I think that's sometimes what's missing. You know, when that person is crunching the spreadsheet, they don't realize that there's a guy living in a warehouse eating top ramen on Thanksgiving behind that, you know, and just to say, ah, let's pull it and go on to the next one is sometimes crushing a life stream, you know. Um, uh, so it's really, really important, I think, for everybody to understand what everybody does, and that's, that's essential. Essentially, what social awareness, essentially, yeah. right? You so. teach a class, right? Is it UCLA? Where are you teaching the class? Right now, I'm at Musicians Institute in Hollywood, California. Tonight, okay. I'm going to be at UCLA, actually, on the on in Westwood. Excellent. So, when, when you're when these students come in, typically. Where are they going in the industry? Are they coming at the angle of they want to be musicians, performers? Do they want to be management? Do they want to work for a streaming company? Where are these people typically coming from? Mostly they are, are artists, guitar players, drummers, bass players that would either like to have their own bands, that be their own solo artists, or be a band, in a band, or actually quite a lot would just like to be hired out. So, for example, you know, sessions. Um, yeah, just you know, hired out to be in whatever her name is band, you know, that type of right. thing, and and right. just be hired and not have to deal with all the the headaches <laughs> of putting together a band and taking care of all the work. So that is an option for for people as well, you know. Uh, but the challenge with that is, and I know because I've done it, is as a working musician, it's not like Ozzy Osbourne parks the you know the tour bus and then you know Sepultura picks you up and then you yeah. know. Uh, you know, there's a lot of time in between where you may not be working at all. Sure. It's know? like being an actor. You might work steady for six months. And then <laughs> what I was saying was, um, you know, like an actor might work for three months, six months straight and be super busy and then be off for three months, six months. And I think as a session, I know session players that go from tour to tour and there can be significant downtime and you know one of them owns his own recording studio so he keeps busy during the breaks that way the other one writes with other people so there are things that you can do to kind of bridge those gaps absolutely everybody out there the diversify yourself you know i mean uh, uh, have other other irons that you can throw in the fire that is so so important and thank you for bringing that up you know when you are off the road it would be nice maybe if you can have your i mean if it's simple as your guitar teaching practice or your drum teaching practice or your bass teaching practice you know or you could even have some sort of other band locally in your in your town or you have some some school that you open up or you're a producer and you record beats and, and that type of thing so yeah very very good point absolutely necessary let let yeah. let's let's switch hats a little bit. Although we've kind of been going back and forth, let's jump over to your music marketing for the DIY musician book here. Um, and you know, I like right on the front. It says creating and executing a plan of attack on a low budget. Um, yeah. My my first question is: Is it even reasonable to think you can execute a plan of attack on a no budget? On a no budget? Well, no. I mean, if you want to take the word no literally. <laughs> well, and, but, but, and, and let, let's do that because, you know, yeah. on, honestly, I've, I've had clients that come up to me and say, I've got no budget for marketing, but I want to go out and do radio promotion. Yeah, I mean, I, of course, we all know that one of the biggest problems in the music business is reality. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they could show do a show on reality alone. Uh, you know, people certainly do need a reality check. I mean, think about how crazy it is. We have all this money to put together the product, and we left zero for the actual 
um, per, uh, you know, pro, per, you know, process of promotion, which is really informing people about what it is that you do and why they should care. So, in other words, we're going to create something and then put no money into letting people know it exists. Exactly. You you, 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 you yeah. spend all of this amazing money to create a great album with that sounds great, has great songs on it, and nobody will ever hear it because you can't tell anybody about it. Is that really right. a great album at that point if nobody hears it? Well, and you just touched on that. You know, you've seen the joke uh, on the on Facebook or on the internet where it's a a picture of this van filled with equipment, and it talks about how you know the guy spends five thousand dollars on equipment to drive one hundred miles to play a gig for fifty bucks. You know, <laughs> that, that musicians are, you know, they have a passion, and I think that you know if you're going to put all that money into your equipment, which I don't know any musician who hasn't, and put all that money into recording and 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 all of that, even if you record at night or even if you record in your buddy's studio, you know, th there's still costs asso associated with that. I, I think, you know, from reading the book, there it, there's a lot of low-cost ways. And there's, you know, sure, there's a lot of free things that you can do, whether it's email blasts and socials and things like that. But I think you do, to Michael's point, you do need to invest if you're serious about your art. Of course, Yes, absolutely. And, and, and real quick, just to kind of comment on, the, on your question initially, Michael, was um, no, you can't do it for absolutely nothing. Because if we're going to take it literally, I mean, you know, um, you have to have an internet connection, right? And an internet connection costs whatever for hosting, you know, you know $200, you know, a year or whatever. And then you have to have your, your ISP. I mean, and that's, you know, whatever, $35, you know. So if we're going to take this literally, then, you know, but then, of course, somebody could argue, well, you could go to the library and you can use their free wireless. So, you know, there's, there's certainly ways to save money and to be low budget. But I think ultimately you have to be willing to put a money aside to actually invest in the, in, you know, the promotion of the product, of course. So, so then let me, I don't know if this is even a fair question to ask, but um, I will hear from people who are like, I've got $20,000. That's my total budget. Um, do, I go in right. the, do I go in the studio and spend $20,000 on the best studio and the best producer, or do I put 10000 into the music and save 10000 for marketing? I mean, what is your feeling? How would you, how would you advise splitting a, a, a sum of like $20,000 up? Well, I mean, of course, you know, it would be with a lot of research and investigating a lot of your different options as well. I mean, you know, if someone said, hey, Bobby, I've got $20,000 and I'm getting ready to do this. I mean, of course, my first concern is, is to do what? To record what? I mean, do, you know, do, we, do we even have something that should be you know, recorded in the first place? Right. So you know, it, that we might need to hire a songwriting consultant if you don't have the songwriting together. And, 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 you know, and that might take a little bit of time just to kind of get those things together. And then, of course, hey, there are the ways... Hey, Bobby, but, if I can just huh? interrupt you just for a second. I, yeah. I, I think you just touched on something that's super important, and I'd love to hear you, you continue on. But I just wanted to interject that one of the things that uh, my business partner and I have done with some of these artists who believe they're ready to take that next step is we've taken their what they consider to be their best recording, and we've sent it to producers and said, give me your brutal, honest opinion. And sometimes it comes back with, um, you know, the not ready yet, 
you know? Because as Michael and I talk about a lot, when you're putting something out, you're not competing with the neighborhood band anymore. You're not competing with the best band in your city. You're competing with Katy Perry. You know, you're competing with the top artists of the day, you know, um, and you have to be buttoned up and it's got to be top notch. But I guess the point I would make to your point is, yeah, get other people's opinions, but get some professional people. Maybe it's a recording engineer. Maybe it's somebody at the studio. Maybe it's somebody in a pro band that you already know that you can reach out to or a marketing professional, a professional like anybody on this podcast. But I think it's really key that you get somebody who's going to be brutally honest with you about what you're writing and recording. Yeah. And again, to go back to the budgeting, uh, and I think the point that we just made is that it's going to depend, obviously, on how that money is allocated, depending on 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 where the client is, or where the the artist is, or what what you know, how much work do we have to do? How good is the product to start off with? Or maybe whether or not they should even spend that twenty grand in the first place. You know. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, essentially what you would do is you would investigate all your different options and all the different resources and all the people that were available. And then hopefully you would just budget that out. I certainly would not say again, Michael, to actually answer the question. I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend all of that, of course, on the recording because, uh, there's so much other things to do, of course, as well. Right. And that would be the, the marketing and promotion. Ladies and gentlemen of the audience today, I would like you to observe how we handled this calamity. <laughs> did you notice how we did not stop? We kept on going. You are we- so... <laughs> I, I've talked about this many times before, Bobby. I, I have a very funny story. A few years ago, I um, sat on a showcase panel for the Driven Music Conference. And it was the first time I was on... It's a private showcase. So it was me, a couple managers, a couple A&R people... And and it and it and it dawned on me as I was sitting there going because I'm the first to admit I'm not a musician. I've never written a song. I've never played an mu- instrument in my life. I'm not a musician. I'm a fan. I'm a marketing person. Different perspective. And it dawned on me. It's like what am I going to critique these guys on? The A and R guys are critiquing the songs. The managers are critiquing the business potential and all this others. The booking agent is can I book you? And I'm like. I need to critique it as exactly who I am, the mm-hmm. fan and the marketing person. So I, I started the comment with, all right, first of all, I'm assuming that these two A&R guys who signed you fictitiously have given me, the marketing person, the best song possible. So I'm not even going to critique your songs, the chorus, the bridge. That was their job. <laughs> that was their job to do. My job is to tell you right now, dude, and this happened, I swear, you were showcasing and uh, the microphone went out in the middle of the showcase. And you literally stopped and said, wait a second, my microphone's not working. Um, can I start over? You know, and my comment was, that was terrible. Well, yeah, I've seen this happen, keep, Michael. Keep I, playing you know, right through exactly. like it's part of the show. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll notice it. But you know what? You don't put the spotlight on your own problem just Just keep rolling with your guitar string breaks don't worry about it until the song is over when you throw it to the roadie to give you a new guitar i I was in san francisco at slim's during a show and the power went out and they had candles and the artist went and stood without missing a beat stood on the bar and played the acoustic guitar and just kept on rolling and i think I think you make a very good point, Bobby. You know, 
regardless of whether whatever it is you're doing, you got to be professional and you just got to roll and you got to power right through it. And metaphorically speaking, let's look at this uh, in, in even a bigger picture to, to everybody that's out there. How many times can I tell you along the path from beginning to you know pursuing my career and my dream, so to speak, that the lights go out and that I have no idea where the fuck I was going? Hopefully we can say fuck on your podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and do you keep on going and that you keep on believing that you will see the light at the end of the tunnel and you do not allow any of the the you know the advert you know the calamities to to yeah. to stop you to freak you out to make you panic you just keep on moving forward so you are going to have highs you are going to have lows and you and you have to keep on moving forward and I, believe I, strongly in what you're doing yeah. and and for me i look at that as one of the many factors that separates a professional from an amateur separate somebody who's going to make it versus somebody who's not Absolutely. going to make it. Those little things. I, I was I was at a show and um, you know, in ear monitors are a big thing. Lead singer's got in ear monitors. His in ear monitors went out on him. An amateur would have stopped the show, would have said, I can't hear myself, would have yelled, would have screamed. This guy just ripped him out of his ears, threw him off to the side of the stage and kept singing. Like nothing happened. And I went up to him after that show and I said, dude, that was the most professional thing I've ever seen. You, you, That's right. You, you yeah. were shining there. You took what could have been a major screw up and just played right through it like no big deal. And I could tell you a number of, 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 of stories, I mean, similar to that, you know, that, and it's all about yeah. this, you know, so, you know, we'll, we'll keep it short, obviously, because we don't have a lot of time. So the point being, and I think it's already clear, you, you know, you, you keep on moving on, you know, and it, it, this takes time, you guys, it's not like you're just going to throw something out and then tomorrow everything's going to fall into place. You know, this, this isn't really a business, I think, ultimately for weekend warriors, unless, of course, you just want to make it a hobby or you want to have your job. And you're and you know you have a family and you just want to do this you know part time you know but if you're one of the ones that really want to do this for real you know it's going to take time and it's going to be a lot of crap and you got to you know swim through the crap and just believe that one day you'll find the shore. Let, and let, let, yeah. let me just well say it, you know taking time doesn't mean one year. Taking time might be ten years. An overnight sensation quite often is overnight ten years. 15 years, 20 years. It doesn't happen in one year. And I think there's a lot of people that are very impatient that I've gotten the team, I've got the budget, I've done it all, I've followed everything you said in your book, and it's a year from year down the road, and I've still only sold 500 CDs. Throwing the towel right. in, throwing the towel in. Obviously, nobody likes me. That's right. And, and one other point that's very, very important now that we're talking about the music marketing book um, is also it's not just a question of time, it's not just a question of doing, but it's also the question of doing the right things. So one of the things that actually I notice with a lot of musicians is they'll come up to me at these different, you know, conventions and things and they'll say, Bobby, you know, I'm doing some of the things that you talked about and we just, we don't seem to be getting to that next level. And I go, well, how do you know you're doing the right things? 
And what I meant by that is that it's very, very important to measure your marketing, you know, because when you can measure it, you can manage it. For example, if we did a show, let's just say, for example, tonight, and we put out an ad in a paper for $400 and we handed out postcards in front of the venue, let's just say, and the event was, was a, a success, we would automatically assume that both the ad and the cards were successful. So let's do that again. All right. Now, upon the next uh, event, I say to myself, well, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't have just paid for that next ad and we should figure out what really is working. So I stand in front of the door and I simply say, how did you hear about this event? Wouldn't it be surprising if we found out that it was all because of the postcards? <laughs> so and what we're like now doing is, is spending, you know, the $400 on this ad and we're throwing money away. So yeah. what so many people do is they don't know what it is that they're doing that's working, what it is that they're doing that's not working. So they just keep on doing it all, which wastes a lot that's of time. That's a really good point. You know, there's an old joke in advertising that half of my advertising doesn't work. I just don't know which half. And it quote. speaks to exactly what you're talking about. You, you try all these tools, and we do this with social all the time, where you try something on social and see how it reacts. Maybe videos and images or quotes react highly. Maybe certain things don't, but you measure what you can. And like what you said, I think it's really important as you start building a following, those become your street team. A lot of the bands that Michael and I have worked with in our career, their inner circle, the people who run their companies, used to be fans that have just kind of moved into those positions. And I think whether it's your family, your friends, those core group of people that come and see you at every show, they can kind of help you to find out, well, how did you hear about the show? You know, what songs are resonating with the crowd? You know, those, those types of things. I think you make a really good point. Yeah, and the word that they use for that, you know, the buzz marketing word is what? Crowdsourcing. I mean, I guess sourcing your, your crowd for information, you know I mean? Right. But no, street but team. I mean, you know, street team, exactly. Given the analytics that are available today on social networks, uh, you know, Jay, I mean, I think that more people are aware of measuring than ever before. You know, people are checking what part of the country are people responding to me on Facebook, et cetera. Uh, you know, how many likes open do I rates. Yeah. Isn't that important, right? How many yeah. people opened the email and who opened it? You know, yeah. um, very, very important. So I think people are more aware of it today. So again, it's not just doing things; it's doing you know things that are right. So yep. very yep. important. So, so Bobby, where can where can people pick <clears throat> up your books and where can they find you online? Okay, well, I'm at bobbyborg.com, simple enough, right? And then from there, of course, I have all the links to my, you know, social networks and YouTube pages, etc. So again, just bobbyborg.com, B-O-B-B-Y-B-O-R-G.com. Um, as far as where they can find the books, they can find it on my website where I, you know, offer a special deal on there as well for them. They can get it on Amazon in both physical and digital format. And of Great. course, you know, if you use iBooks, you can get it on the iTunes site, you know, on good, you know, which wherever it's everywhere. You know, you, you know, you walk into a store and you might see it in the store, you know, for whatever bookstores are left. So, <laughs> you know, but it, it's out there and, you know, it, it's, you know, it's really, really important. I mean, because, because I, I think one of the problems that we have today is there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of things on the internet and, you know, um, you know, what, what, what people need to do is they, they need to figure out what is the best information for them, what is the most credible information for them. Um, because I think with all due respect to everybody that's out there trying to do their thing, I think you guys, you know, will agree that there's a lot of stuff out there and a lot of advice out there that shouldn't be out there. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I was just I was going to add to your statement. 
Um, there, there is no get rich quick, get a quick fan base. No, that, that doesn't exist. Doesn't you, work. you will have to put work in, you will have to put time in. And if you're buying into a, a program, a book, a service that says there, this is the magic trick to sell 10,000 CDs. I'm sorry. That's not true because if yeah. it was every single artist out there would be selling thousands and upon thousands upon thousands of cds yeah. and that's not the case everybody would be a successful recording artist if that advice was true that's yeah. not the case this is you have to you have to put the time and you have to read you have to study you have to right. you have to work it takes work Exactly. And my grandfather had a great saying, and it stuck with me my entire life. And, and that is, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And, and, right. I, and I believe that, you know, uh, good things come to those who work hard. And if you have a passion for what you're writing and what you're performing and what you're doing, that's going to come through. And if you keep at it and if you believe in what you're doing and hopefully the timing's right, you can grow your audience. I think what you've provided here, Bobby, are the tools for, for people who have that passion to kind of take that next step. Yes, absolutely. And once when you do look inside the book, there's a whole resource section in the back where I, I literally you know, recommend some 20, 30, 40, 50 other amazing books that they should be reading. So certainly, mine is one piece of the entire puzzle that they should get. I mean, reading books on psychology, on time management, on yep. budgeting. I mean, there's so much to learn, you guys, and I will tell you, it really does make you feel, you know, powerful and, and, and smarter, and it's going to just help you, uh, you know, have a, a less you're, bumpy you're, road. You're, you're just taking all the fun out of being a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you mean I got to work? It's not just hookers and blow? <laughs> Thank you very much for bringing that up because you know what? I mean, come on. When you're, you're young, usually, you know, you grab the guitar and it's like a rebellious statement and go in the room and rock out, you know, to get away from all this shit. You know, right. now I'm sitting here telling you to get, <laughs> to get back into it all. You know, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? But, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just sitting here going, how amazing is this for your listeners to be able to have this resource? I mean, I think between all of us, we have a good 95 years or 100 years experience uh, in, in music that we're offering. We, we've, we, we've all seen the good, the bad, and the extremely ugly of what goes on in this business. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and you know, we're just, you know, straight up, I mean, telling it how it is, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot so of so much. There's so much that you put into these books. We've only scratched the surface today. We'd love to talk to you again. Um, I would encourage the listeners and viewers to go pick them up. Um, but we really appreciate you coming on and having the conversation with us. Bobby, th th thanks so much. This, this was awesome. And yeah, there, there's an invite to come back in and we'll, we'll, we'll dig into some real, real detail of a couple chapters here next time around. Let's do it. And, if, and, if you and, guys and, to... and let us know when the Beggars and Thieves album gets released uh, on Spotify. <laughs> I'm going to look into that. And if you guys, you know, <laughs> if you guys make it down into Los Angeles. Um, I live not... in LA. I'll, I'll come okay. see you. I'm up, you in, I'm up in San Francisco. 
Okay, so when you happen to come down, or, or even Jay, if, if you want to, come into my UCLA class. It's, it's on Thursday nights, and I'd love to have you as a guest, and it would be great if both of you guys came at the same time, because I like I'd this vibe and yeah. energy we got right here. Hey, we maybe, maybe we can some figure panels. something out. I can, I can fly down for one day. Both of us can go in and sit in on the class. We'll yeah, that. that's we'll figure right. That out. Right. We'll figure it Take out. It yeah, let's, let's definitely. So we'll, I'll be in touch with you guys about that for right. sure. Bobby. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Bobby. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Great chatting with Bobby. Uh, You know, I love chatting with people who have the knowledge but also have the actual experience, you know, the the, the boots on the road type of thing. I mean, this this guy was a musician. He was a recording artist. He toured. He, He worked with, you know, his band Beggars and Thieves was managed by Q Prime, a major one of Major. the top management companies Metallica, in the business. Def yeah. Leppard on Atlantic Hot Records. Chili Peppers. Yeah. yeah. So I mean he's he's been there, done that. So um these are the type and of that's people what it's that all are about. Great. experience. Yeah, right. Experience says so much. I mean, yeah, you can go buy books, but if it's a book that's built on experience, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of books out there, like he said. Uh, these are special. They're very good books, and I highly encourage people to check them out. Yeah, yeah, please do, please do. So, um, you know, I don't know. Do we have any homework out of this? Not really. No, I mean, I would, I would love for people to, you know, there's so much information in these books. If anybody does pick up these books, I would love to hear what they got from it what thing popped out at them because i can tell you immediately as i started going through there there were some things that i highlighted some things that refreshed things that i already knew and some things that i hadn't even considered before and if you do pick up the book i would love to hear what you got out of yeah, it Yeah, what would you think of it um let bobby know you you heard about him and the books on our show um, you know, if you're going, maybe down we'll to one, crash his, uh, yeah, I think that would class. be a great idea. I'll fly down for one evening. You know, it's, it's dirt cheap to fly from San Francisco yeah. to LA and, um, we can go crash his class. Excellent. We can heckle him. <laughs> we can see how he handles it when, when the exactly. crowd gets rem- he keeps rolling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All Just right, guys, that's it. You, uh, you know where to find us on YouTube, on Facebook, everywhere else. We're out. Thank you. See ya.